This is Upload Media. Hello. Hello. Welcome to your favorite podcast. Othered. <laughs> With your hosts, Caleb Scales. And Sarah Van Cleave. Welcome back. I was just thinking I kind of want to like not say my last name. No? I don't know. I just think it sounds better with Sarah and Caleb. Okay. I like that. You can do whatever so, yeah, you do want. Do you know what, Robin? Just cut our last names. We don't need <laughs> just them. Just take it out, Robin. <laughs> <laughs> we don't need it. We don't need it. How many Caleb's do you know, really? I, I know several. Oh. And I'm sure I'm the only Sarah that anyone has ever met in their entire lives. That's totally true. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Never mind that it comes from the Bible. Right. One of the most popular books ever. I am biblical. (laughs) Honestly, Sam. uh. (laughs) Was there ever a Caleb in the Bible? Oh, yeah. Really? Uh Uh-huh. You don't know about the story of Joshua and Caleb? Like the... Never mind. I'm not going to get into it. That's Bible school. Caleb is, I was going to say, a a biblical (laughs) scholar, so he would know. Bachelor's of Arts in Bible and Theology. Thank you. Look at that. Anyway, (laughs) Jesus and God aside, here we are. Or Jesus and God willing, here we are. Right. There we go. Back with another episode of (laughs) Othered. (laughs) What's new, Caleb Scales? Um, That's a great question. Uh, Not a lot, but a lot. You know, I feel like I've been doing like so much like inner work. Yeah, you just came back from vacay. Nothing really feels different on the outside, but things feel really different on the inside. Wow. I know. I don't know. I feel like I'm at like peace, like found some like tranquility or serenity in my life. Okay, well, that's fun. Yeah, it's been good. It's been great. How was Texas? Texas was amazing. I went to Austin with a friend, and uh, honestly, it was so good to leave Cedar Rapids. Just like to leave it in the dust. Fuck you, Cedar Rapids. Goodbye. Just kidding. We're done with you for a minute. Yeah. So yeah, that was good. I had some really good food. Um, Saw the sights, talked to the people. Um, Went to see a country show. Ew. I know. (laughs) (laughs) But you said you enjoyed it. Uh, I actually kind of did. It was uh, it was very Texas. It was very country, um, and I didn't hate it. So surprise, surprise. Cool. You know, maybe I just don't like certain kinds of country. It's just mm-hmm. not a, a genre of music that I like to uh, enjoy because mm. I don't enjoy it most of the time. Same Z's. Li- maybe it was like the live show aspect of it. Yeah, and you cute. also didn't need an abortion while you were there, so that's another reason you enjoyed Thank it. God, and um, didn't need to teach critical race theory to anybody while you were there either. Right. Yeah, and I uh, didn't, you know, experience any uh, mass shootings while I was there. So Yay. that was, you know, three woo! for three. Right. <laughs> <laughs> well, that makes a big difference. It, yeah, I, I, I'm, I'm here. I'm back in Cedar Rapids and I'm full of life and ready to give, you know, all I've got. <laughs> Yay. <today>. <laughs> How about you, Sarah? Okay. Tell me about everything. Oh, my gosh. Give me every little detail. Every dirty deet. Yeah. Um, I, I haven't really been doing much. Wow. We're so interesting. I know. <laughs> We do the same shit every day. I so know, same shit. It sounds the day. same every week, That's I'm sure. Um, yeah, there's really been nothing exciting going on. Mm-hmm. And that's fine. Yeah, still like experiencing new things with like not having that like nine to five anymore? Or is it like, um, what's that like journey like for you right now? Well, I am spending a lot of money on mm. coffee. Oh, yeah. Because that seems to be all I do is go to coffee places and drink coffee. I've been gardening. I am 126 days cigarette free. Ooh, I know. Wow. It sucks literally every moment of the day. Mm-hmm. Um, I've gained a lot of weight in my little happiness cigarette free journey, Yeah, which I also hate. Um, but I'm going to the gym trying to lose that weight so I can return to my MILF status and enjoy 
that. Well, it sounds like there's kind of like an equaling <laughs> out, right? Like you quit smoking and you started to like gain a little weight, but like that could also be like healthy weight too, you know, but you're now at the gym and like, I'm assuming that your workouts probably feel better because you're not like heaving because you can't breathe because yeah. you're smoking cigarettes, mm-hmm. you know? Mm-hmm. I think I had suppressed my appetite for so long that I didn't even know what my appetite was oh, yeah. because good old mm. nicotine, it's an appetite suppressant. Yeah. I don't, I don't have that issue. And by issue, I mean, I don't get those benefits of smoking cigarettes. I still just eat. You probably do, though, and you don't know, because I didn't feel like I did until I quit. Mm. Yeah. Mm -hmm. So just wait. Okay. If you continue on your quitting journey, you'll understand. my quitting journey, even though I smoked a cigarette like 20 minutes ago. (laughs) Well, I wasn't going to judge you, but you just put it out there. I appreciate that. And I am teaching our people of color yoga class at the breathing room. Yes. So if you're a person of color, join me on Sundays at noon. I really love it. It is probably one of the most rewarding things I've ever done in my entire life. I love that. Me too. And I love the community that we're building Mm -hmm. and the people I'm seeing. That's awesome. And Mm -hmm. like from what I've heard, there's been a pretty good turnout. Yeah, I'm happy with it. Mm -hmm. I think we've had like a month or six weeks of classes and it feels just like a normal yoga class. Like sometimes I have people there. Sometimes I don't have people there. So Mm -hmm. I'm happy. I'm happy with what I'm seeing and doing. Me too. I'm so glad I quit my job. (laughs) (laughs) That literally best choice I've ever made. Actually. Yeah. I was having a good conversation with my friend last night and it was kind of censored around that. I'm so glad I quit my job. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So if anyone is like, do I take the leap of faith? Do it. Fucking do it. <laughs> you will not regret it. Right. I'm a little poor, so I'm exploring OnlyFans options, maybe <laughs> some stripping here and there. Right. Just to, you know... I know of a good stack my that coins. for me. So do you? Well, yeah. sh- don't don't say it here because I need to monopolize on my street corners. But you can share it with me I'm off the kidding. mic. <laughs> anyway, <laughs> anyway, we have a very special guest with us today. We are so excited to introduce our friend Kaven. Kaven with Mirabox. Oh, with Mirabox Theater, right here in Cedar Rapids. Yeah. Come on down, Kaden! <laughs> I'm here. I love the pium pium. I love the <laughs> yeah yeah. The, DJ is that did did DJ Khaled make that a big thing? Is that or was it a big thing? I don't know which DJ. DJ did I have it. no right? idea. I feel like I hear that and I just want to yell DJ Khaled. <laughs> like I, that that feels like what comes after that. Sure. Okay. Something Sounds like that. Good. No, I mean yeah, I'd believe that if it was DJ Khaled. Yeah. And you're here. I, you're I don't here. know. Thanks guys. for having me here. Yeah. yeah, thanks for coming. This yeah. is really exciting because one of the things that Caleb and I value is community and building community, featuring awesome people right here in the community. And you are a big part of the community with Mirrorbox Theater. And I love how accessible your theater is. I love that it is right down in the Ellis neighborhood of town. And I just love everything about it. Thank you. It's great. I'm pretty happy. Yeah, talking about like good things are happening in life. Like I'm happy with the trajectory that we're on. I'm happy with what we're able to do. And uh, um, yeah, and you, you know, you mentioned the community part and the Ellis Boulevard area, the Time Check neighborhood. I mean, one of the big parts of what we're trying to add to the community is to highlight that neighborhood and to be, you know, the arts hub for mm-hmm. that neighborhood as it goes into its next era well now that all the road construction is coming to a close down there uh, <laughs> it's, it's, it's cedar rapids it's a work in progress there's like construction on streets all the time that's true. like the summer like starts or spring starts and then there's construction on every street and you can't get around town mm-hmm. but it's different now is it? Because they got that little roundabout done. Two of them. Oh, they got two sure, roundabouts yeah. two. done. Mm-hmm. I I did just hear possibly that, and you know, you look at one of the curbs and it, and people are just it's a learning experience. <laughs> it, we're you all know? growing people together. People are learning and growing, and the curbs are are just like you know turned into rubble. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, I have no idea how to approach a roundabout at all. They're foreign yeah. to us. Right. I, what is this European bullshit? Yeah. I have moved so many times. I've lived in a lot of 
big cities. And I just have to say, you know, one universal thing is that I just uh, hate the drivers everywhere. Yep. <laughs> it's, yes. like, it's a different reason everywhere. Sure. There's a different reason everywhere why the drivers are terrible. But like, you mm. know, Iowa, you're in good company with like New York and L.A. and Chicago. They're all terrible, too. But Every, in Chicago, every everyone goes fast. Here, everyone goes slow. Yeah, that's my problem. My problem here is, and I understand that the intent is polite, but I feel like the waving people across and the like waiting when you mm -hmm. actually have the right of way, I feel like it's intended to be polite, but actually ends up just like being a recipe for a car accident. They're yeah. like, just fucking go. <laughs> like, it's Seriously, it's I feel like turn. one of my biggest pet peeves is when I'm pulling up to a stop sign and there's somebody who's already at the stop sign who should be going yes. but just like waits there until I pull up to the stop sign and, stop and then completely. we like look at each other and I'm like you've already been here like I saw you at the stop sign when I got here when I was pulling up so pulling up. fucking go get out of my way oh. you know and I get like really bad road rage actually <laughs> it's kind of sad because I feel like I've let go of a lot of anger and frustration in my life but as soon as I get in my car and behind that wheel it all goes out the window, and I am rage-filled. Same. I rate. Oh. Impatient. When my kids are in the car, that's the only thing that tempers it. Because I don't mm. want to, like, I'm like, okay, well, I can be a jerk, but am I going to teach <laughs> these kids to be a jerk? Like, no, no, no. no I have a yeah. responsibility. <laughs> I will say I um, called someone a wench the other day in the Ooh. car, and my kids were with me. So that was, like, the most G-rated word that I love that I you allowed. called them a wench. It was like... You wench. And Benjamin's like, Mom, what's a wench? And I was like, well, like, you know, Ben, I said, that's a, a bad word. It's a tamer of the bad words I could have chosen, but I don't want you to repeat it. And he's like, but what does it mean? Mm -hmm. And I didn't tell him what it meant because it means a young woman who could be a prostitute. And I don't need Benjamin going around... <laughs> Calling, calling girls wenches yeah yes. not the best <laughs> <laughs> not when i'm trying to raise a feminist son mm -hmm. so i will do better but anyway <laughs> <laughs> that was a fun tangent it really was um how long has mirabox been in that neighborhood yeah so we've been in the neighborhood for six months um okay. and uh, but we've been a company, a theater company, mm -hmm. for five years. We just hit our five-year anniversary in April. In Happy Cedar anniversary! Oh, thank you. Wow. Yeah, all in Cedar Rapids, mm -hmm. and yeah, it's we're we are in this interesting place where we're a five-year-old organization, um, but our business, you know, completely changed once we went from being an itinerant company that was, you know, producing a few shows a year and the places we could find versus, you know, having this building, having this mm -hmm. space and, um, you know, and it's, it's both the opportunity to produce more work and to expand on what we're doing, but there's also, um, the responsibility of doing that because mm -hmm. we have this, we have this building, you know, we have to, we have to keep people coming. We have to engage our community and keep building and growing and, and, doing what's necessary to keep the lights on. Totally. Yeah. Um, I think we should also probably hear a little bit from you, maybe a little bit about your story, about how you got here, I guess, to this point in your life where you're in Cedar Rapids doing this theater company. Yeah, sure. So um, so my wife is from Iowa. From Well, I think she moved here in either first or second, or kindergarten. Kindergarten, I think she okay. moved here. She grew up in Lisbon, Iowa. Grew up in Cedar Rapids a little bit, but mostly in Lisbon. And um, we met in New York where she was finishing grad school and where I was doing the, you know, theater person, bartender thing. Mm -hmm. And uh, and so we met right as she was finishing grad school. We were there. Uh, we were still living there when we got married. And then um, we were kind of ready to explore things outside of New York. I was ready to look at grad school as well. Um, and so we moved to New Orleans uh, for me to get my MFA in playwriting. And at the time, she was really focusing on uh, music production. And so we were like, oh, let's, let's, you know, I should go to grad school in a city that's got great music. And, you know, like that mm -hmm. was kind of the thought process. Um, and so I'm, I'm going to grad school there. She's working um, in arts administration. And, uh, you know, I have found this to be true in the six years since I've been here that like seems like 
local folks here kind of keep track of their diaspora of Iowans, mm-hmm. you know, and, and what people are doing. And so, um, and so she, um, you know, a lot of people reached out to her when there was this really great job opportunity uh, to be the executive director of Theater Cedar Rapids. Mm-hmm. So TCR, a lot of people know that place as they should. It's an mm-hmm. awesome place, but that's, that's what brought us here to town. Mm-hmm. And, um, and I, yeah, so she got here a couple months before me, I was finishing up grad school. And, um, you know, for undergrad, I went to college in Chicago, Columbia College, Chicago. And uh, um, it's funny, because we have some artists here from Chicago right now, um, including my mentor who teaches at Columbia College. Oh, cool. um, but we are, we are talking about like this, uh, yeah, I mean, it's totally a trope that if you go to college for theater in Chicago, it's like you graduate and then you start a theater company. Mm-hmm. That's just like, you know, that's just, <laughs> that's just the thing that friends do. It just makes do. you think of like how many theater companies are in Chicago yeah, too. It, There's like a hundred, 150, 200, I something I, like that. I, I, somebody was just telling me that pre-pandemic it was 250 and that's not wow. counting, wow. it's not counting like Steppenwolf and like the, mm-hmm. the big ones. It sure. was like 250. So what they call it is is storefront theater. Yeah. It's kind of the term they use a lot for um, sh- these smaller Chicago theaters that are often, you know, it might be, you know, 10 or 12 lights, literally like in a former deli, you know, mm-hmm. like. Oh, they, oh, I've been to a, those shows. Yeah. yeah. And they're fun. Mm-hmm. Right. And and especially because when you're working on that scale, too, you can take it and uh, take risks and do adventurous mm-hmm. and interesting things. Mm-hmm. Um but yes, so, uh, oh gosh, I got a little thrown off, but I was talking about, Sorry. oh yeah, so people start theater companies. And so moved here for my wife's job, not really sure what my thing was going to be, but you know, I got my degree in playwriting. I've got this kind of thought in the back of my head about potentially starting a theater company. And, um, you know, this is a really rich arts and culture um area and mm-hmm. city and and uh especially for a city that like you know is really defined in many ways by um you know blue collar folks right yeah. you know mm-hmm. and like the neighborhood that we're in was built by the people who built who were working on the railroads you know and mm-hmm. we've still got these large factory presences and all of that and i think that you know people who live in new york and chicago and la um would make the assumption that that does not lead to a rich arts and culture uh region but um but cedar rapids is really doing it like mm-hmm. people really love arts and culture here but the thing is, is that with all of these theater opportunities folks had, they're actually before Mirabox uh, was not a theater company in the entire state dedicated exclusively to new plays and dedicated exclusively to new plays um, making their Iowa premieres. And and for me, you know, I, I knew that if if I, you know, dove in to start a theater company that kind of like other businesses, you know, the it seemed to me that the path to success was going to be providing something that nobody else is doing. What are we doing that that is non-duplicative, right? Mm-hmm. What's what's our widget that's different from the other person's widget? And uh, and, and especially with my background in playwriting and just loving new plays, it, it made sense um, to make that the mission for Mirrorbox, the, the new plays. So when you say new plays yeah. for people that aren't familiar with theater, what does that mean? Yeah, so, so I'll, I'll say... Um, I, I mean, well, the one part of it is that part of that have yet to be performed in Iowa, right? So there, so there may be. We, uh, I'm just trying to think. I think, I think we've we've reached back, you know, as far as ten years, you know, in, in terms of things that we're bringing to Iowa for the first time, because there are an incredible number of of new plays being written by playwrights all, all the time. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, you're not seeing them. As much like Broadway is really, you know, uh, dominated by revivals or Mm -hmm. by adaptations of, you know, existing property. Um, That being said, like Broadway is not American theater in the same way that like Wall Street is not the economy. Mm -hmm. You know, like it's it's the it's like the one percenters. Right. You know, is 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 what is what you see in those indicators. But so new plays, I mean, it is it is literally, you know, something that that for us generally written within the last 10 years, often um, often we are presenting um, either a play's first, um, somewhere between like its first and third productions often. Cool. Um, yeah. And so, um, yeah, I mean, for, for instance, I, I think that, um, 
Eddie and Dave that we just uh, closed a couple weeks ago that opened in 2019 uh, off Broadway and we were the third production of that um, and the show we opened our building with in November uh, Drive uh, we were the first ever production of that you know wow. so wow. so so uh, um, yeah a variety there but pretty unique yeah you what know? that makes me think of is you know there's no shade of in performing or nothing negative about performing, you know, plays that have been established and things that people would recognize, things like that. But it does seem like there's a, a sense of vitality in, in bringing new things to this culture of arts here in Cedar Rapids. Um, do you want to tell me a little bit about that? Like what? I... You know, I'm I'm gonna recycle a bit here. Uh, sure. You know, I mean, because yeah. because I talk I talk about what we do and why it's important quite a lot. I, every every chance I get, mm-hmm. but um, but I you know I love to sing uh, Beatles. Well, I love to sing, but I love to sing Beatles songs <laughs> to my kids to get them to go to sleep. Mm. And uh, that's really precious. You know, they've got some good tunes. Yeah, and uh, and and they're easy to remember, and the kids like them. And uh, but I, I really believe, you know, for everybody out there who says that the Beatles are the greatest, you know, band of all time or pop band or or up, even even just up there. Right. I'm not in that group. That's fine. Are you are you? <laughs> I just wanted to throw that in, out in Pulp Fiction. <clears throat> would you be the Elvis versus the Beatles or none of the above? Right. Isn't that the isn't that the the question they're given in Pulp Fiction? Are you you're, probably neither? Yeah, that's all right. But I do understand the sentiment that the you're going for. Yeah, yes. and 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 which is fine. Uh, I certainly don't tell people what to like, you know. <laughs> <laughs> but but um, but you know, they're not famous because of their covers. They don't have that status because mm. of their covers. Because they did Twist and Shout and Please, Mr. Postman. Mm-hmm. It's it's Hey Jude. It's uh, y- you know, it's all of them. It's mm-hmm. all it's all the other ones, right? They're what they contributed to the culture and why their contributions are remembered are because they did something new. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and, and that's, that, that's for me what it boils down to. I, I also think just in terms of like, um, the opportunity for all of the artists involved, um, to give something that feels like they're giving something of their selves rather than, um, feeling obligated in any way to, be a mimic, you know, mm-hmm. I, I think, you know, by doing these newer plays that maybe haven't had a production or that maybe have had one, but you can't look it up on YouTube, you know, like you can't, right. you can't find something. There's no original cast recording that says, sing it like this, mm-hmm. you know, and, and that it, and that it demands of people to, to bring something from themselves to mm-hmm. this work. I, I think that's what leads to, in my opinion, really exciting art. Totally. And I think if, you know, there's a more risk involved, perhaps, you know, by embarking on new projects or even working with new um, plays that people don't know. And I think, you know, in my experience, people feel like, you know, especially with theater, that there's a safety mm-hmm. in going to like an old show or a show that like people know. Um, so there is a lot more risk. And do you feel like, you know, as a smaller kind of like more fledgling um theater group <clears throat> in Cedar Rapids that there's that, um, I don't know, do you feel the pressure, I guess, or the, is there? It's our superpower and our kryptonite. Mm-hmm. Sure. It's both. Mm-hmm. It's both. You know, it's a superpower because like we're, we're, we're not competing with the other production of fill in the blank show that happened sure. last year or that you're going to get a chance to see again in three months down the road in Coralville or, or whatever it is, mm-hmm. you know? So, so that's the opportunity that we have. That's the superpower that we have, you know, but, but yes, the lack of familiarity can be a barrier for people. Um, it can be a real barrier for people. And so, you know, my hope is that, and again, you know, we're both young and not as not so young. But my hope is that we build up trust as an organization, so that the the title is really not the draw. Mm. You know, um, you know, because there, even though we're doing all new things, there are some things where a title can help us. So, mm-hmm. like for for instance, this we did this holiday fiasco in December. It was kind of our alternate programming to like the warm and fuzzy holiday show it was uh you know a musical parody of batman returns returns and it was the uh what musical parody of batman returns called (laughs) batman returns returns and uh that sounds amazing it was really fun it was really fun you know and uh the amazing uh local drag queen 
uh, uh, well, Cameron Bird, uh, who performs as the drag oh, queen Nave. Nave Love. Oh, you I know. love her. Yeah, uh, Cameron uh, played Catwoman in mm-hmm. drag. You know, it, and it was it was just a whole thing. I remember running into Nave and her yeah. telling me about that, and I was like, oh my god, that sounds amazing. It was it was so fun, and but that was an example. Like we sold out that show. We mm-hmm. you know, and and uh, it's the first show that we've ever sold out an entire run, and I think it's because Batman was in the title. You yeah. know, so that that helped us. Most of the time, that's not going to be the case. And so what I'm hoping is that we're building up trust as an organization so that people are really coming for the experience that they have at Mirabox. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and and that along with that, you know, they're having a great artistic experience. Like the trust comes with following through on actually giving them a great artistic mm-hmm. experience when they trust us. But yeah, the idea is to is that we have to build that trust as an organization to, to get past that barrier. Mm-hmm. Totally. One of the things I love about your theater in particular is often I feel like, especially if you don't recognize a show's title, it's really hard for people to spend the money to go to a show that they don't even know if they'd like. But all of your shows are $20. Yeah. And that makes it really easy for anybody to go. I mean, people spend $20 on stupid stuff every single day. But to take that couple hours out of your day to be enriched by something else. I think that's really great. And I know for me, it makes it way more likely for me to want to go because it's like, I would spend that on two packs of cigarettes every other day. Or like four things at McDonald's. (laughs) Okay, I got McDonald's for my kids yesterday. That's why Caleb brought that up. And I was like, God damn it, McDonald's is expensive. Uh, Being a parent is hard. And oh, I I was afraid you were going to get shamed for going to McDonald's. Because I'm like, I wasn't. I'm like, being a parent's hard. It is as, long, as long as they wake up and go to sleep, I mean, something has gone right. right. That is true. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, I, I think I spent $12 on three large french fries at McDonald's yesterday. And I was like, oh. holy shit. Yeah, we were yeah. on the phone and you were in the drive-thru and you were like, $19? What I know. Fuck? I was mad. I yeah. was like, where's the dollar menu? It was funny because I remember like listening to you order it and then you told me the total. I was like, nah, no way. It was pretty stupid. Yeah. <laughs> I would much rather spend that on a ticket to a play. So I love totally. that it's accessible. And I think think that really helps in the trust building thing at least for mm-hmm. me as someone who would go it would help me want to go and yeah. not feel like I'm wasting a ton of money yeah and we um in that $20 ticket price is really for our full productions I mean we're really busy we do um readings and um kind of we do this senior readers theater thing where you're still getting that opportunity to hear new plays hear a new script deal with some you know get have the performance elements but it's all more stripped down we have things that are in the 10 and 15 and sometimes even the five dollar range too mm-hmm. i mean we, we really want to <clears throat> make it possible for people to engage with us and and um you know i i took this great anthropology class once and, and they talked about you know how every ritual like is really not done for the, for the participants. The the ritual is for the community mm-hmm. that that observes it. Mm-hmm. You know, and, and I love uh, theater as ritual, yeah. as social ritual. I love that. And and um, you know, mm-hmm. and, and a great example is like for a wedding. You know, I mm-hmm. you would hope uh, by the time it gets to the wedding that the couple is already committed. You know, they mm-hmm. have made mm-hmm. their commitment to one another. Mm-hmm. But the thing that makes it important is doing it in front of the community, mm-hmm. right? Is, is in, in bringing that community into it. Mm-hmm. And so, um, yeah, we we want people there. We, we want to make it easy for people to be there mm-hmm. um, because that's, you know, the only point in doing it. Well, right. That just like that makes me realize or even you know appreciate the fact that the the theater company itself is so like community driven because of its accessibility Mm -hmm. right and like you have to be available you know and i think this is something that sarah and i have talked about even at the yoga studio that we work at is the pricing of the classes you know and making sure that it's right and that it's accessible to people who you know want to come but don't want to be priced out you know Mm -hmm. so i don't know that's really important especially for a town like cedar rapids i think yeah. Well, and I feel like every, anyone can say I'm doing this thing for the community, but to truly make it accessible is something different than putting something in place and saying it's for the community. Um, because kind of like Caleb said, we'll give <coughs> classes out for free. Mm-hmm. Um, that's something that's really important to us because we want you to come to yoga. Yeah. We don't really care if you can pay for it or not. And I loved that. I had seen you guys ran an ad that was like, pay what you want for a ticket. And I'm like, yeah, that makes people feel like they want me to be there. Mm -hmm. Whether I can afford $20 or not, 
they're making it accessible. And I really love that and appreciate that. Thank you. Thank you. Yeah. Appreciate that. And you have bills to pay. So I feel like um, for <laughs> right, people. Right. You guys just moved into this building. Yeah. I know. Yeah. I know. <laughs> people that have never looked at a profit and loss statement, um, they have no idea how much it costs to run a business. So yeah. kudos to you guys because you. that is amazing. I, I do have to say in terms of bills and, and the community and how all of those things are related to, it, it is important to say that we are a nonprofit. So we're a 501c3. It doesn't mean we're supposed to operate in the red. That's mm -hmm. not what nonprofit right. necessarily <laughs> means. Right. Right. But but what it does mean it though is that, you know, our the way that we plan for our business to run is through, you know, finding the sustainable balance between those ticket sales, the, the you know the what, what we'd call earned revenue, um, and contributed revenue, right? And and folks in the community, generous individuals, generous um, uh, sponsoring organizations, right? Other businesses, um, and you know state and national funders. It all it all plays a part. Um, you know, in in making it possible for the for the community, and many members of the community are making it possible for themselves and others too. Mm -hmm. That's awesome. Um, well, I think there's like so much actually to talk about on this subject. Um, so much. But I think we should give our listeners a break. Sure. Um, let them listen to some advertisements for people who are supporting our show. Because we got to pay bills too. Right. <laughs> <laughs> Logan wants to pay bills. That's right. for sure. Yes, absolutely. So if you uh. If you're feeling up to it, you should probably support our podcast by uh, subscribing and going to uploadmediagroup.com, <laughs> whatever that website is. <laughs> we'll link it know. in the show notes. <laughs> we'll be right back. Yeah. <laughs> so professional. Shut up, Robin. And we're back. <laughs> <laughs> After a little verbal abuse from our favorite producer, Robin. I really like it when Robin's mean to me. Verbally abuse us, please. <laughs> Robin is not verbally abusive. She's, they're not. They, uh, they're great, and they're so good to me. <laughs> <laughs> Sometimes Robin has to keep us in line, though. Well, yeah. That's their especially job. Especially you. Yeah, especially me, because I'm the black one. Is that why you said that? Oh! Wow. <laughs> I expect more from you, Caleb. I gotta be black. Uh, yeah, God. why did you have to make it about race? Uh, okay. Anyway, <laughs> we're back with our guest. Caleb. From Mirabox Theater. I will do my best not to make it about race. Thank you. I appreciate that. You're welcome. If I'm at a table full of white men, I would appreciate uh. that we keep race off of the table. <laughs> Just kidding. I this just like to othered, give Caleb right? shit. Okay. Yeah, this is other. Where race is brought right. into every single conversation Absolutely. that we have. So speaking of, um, Kevin, I think it's um, important to talk about the arts, even from my perspective, that having you know done theater, or studied theater, acting, or whatever, that I felt like in the arts in general, that there's a little bit more um, socially, maybe more acceptable. It's more acceptable maybe to be kind of on the outside of society to be like you know an othered an othered person you know i think like when i even you know when the arts are portrayed in like tv or whatever you know like the glee club or whatever like there's a lot more gay people there's a lot more people of color um the nerds the i don't know outcasts outcasts we're moving away from that cis hetero white male narrative right opening the doors <laughs> up to all people yeah, I mean, I, really I, I no, it's fine. No, but no, but, but no, your no, question. I, no, you I, there. I, I, I think I, I think I, I'm following. I mean, yeah. I'm, I'm definitely following. Uh -huh. And yeah, it's interesting. I mean, I, I think that um, pro, uh, this is one person's perception, you know. And I mean, if we're gonna really get into a a, a discussion, which we should absolutely about. Mm. Um, identity in terms of all, you know, all, all spectrums of identity and, mm -hmm. and kind of how um, people of different identities are or not being welcomed into the art space and, and mm. or not even being well, I mean, welcomed in is one part. Another part is, um, you know, that participation and like be, being given agency and, and advocacy and those kind of things. And, and then, I mean, even beyond that, right, is the leadership question, right? So, so, 
my perception um, is that, yeah, the arts have been a place where maybe representation um, is ahead of where representation might be, you know, for people of a number of different identities. Um, but also the understanding that like that is one level in a hierarchy and and that um, so while yes, like, you know, there are TV shows that are going to do that are going to show, you know, kind of the fabric of American society by showing people with different identities. Right. There's going to be people of different races and religions and and sexual back sexual identity and gender identity. Um, you know, I, I think that like most of America, like, you know, still the, the, the business of culture, um, absolutely still, um, struggles with those other areas in, in, in mm -hmm. term, in terms of really giving people, um, outside of the dominant structure, um, agency to create their own work and to tell their own stories and to be leaders who are, you know, um, leading organizations and, and making those big, big picture decisions. So, so it's like, yeah, there's an element that, uh, again, my perception I think might, might be doing better than I'm not, I'm not going to throw out another industry. I'm not going to throw somebody under the bus, sure. but, 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 but absolutely, you know, there's other structural problems, just like there are structural problems just throughout built into the fabric of like what our country is right now. Sure. And, and, the, you know, and there's some great, there are people who are really doing the work. So, so like, um, in the in the wake of um, you know the summer of 2020 and and the George Floyd murders, uh, George George Floyd murder along with the murders of others is um, there was a there was a national organization um, kind of a collective called We See You White American Theater um, and they go by an acronym that I'm not going to remember but it's all of that <laughs> and uh, where you know, in many ways, kind of similar to what Advocates for Social Justice and Cedar Rapids did um, in putting together their demands. Um, uh, you know, this group, We See White American Theater, um, targeted some of the largest regional theaters in the country in big cities that you would um, probably guess are progressive and places that um, are putting out plays that absolutely would fit that kind of progressive, um, you know, uh, agenda in, in terms of you are just kind of looking at the play itself, you know, but, but this collective of folks was, was saying, you know, it's not enough and it's not, it's in, in these intentions that you're, you know, putting forth, we're not actually seeing the results of these intentions, mm -hmm. um, on a systematic and structural level. Yeah. Yeah. Interesting. Uh, <laughs> so it might be safe, but it's still just as safe as other I mean, and there, in and, and you know, um, there are places that are working on, right? It's it's like the the work continues, mm -hmm. right? There there is there is no, I think I think with all of these things, um, you're never you're never gonna come close to to. You can't do enough good. Mm -hmm. There's there there's no mm. bar. There's there's no passing the test. I agree. I know that you guys have done some gender-bending shows. Um, you have performers in drag. Have you gotten any pushback from the community? Yeah, so this is interesting because right now, um, and I know this episode will not air today, so I'm not like putting out a commercial, but like we have a show opening today that is uh, um, features a Chicago performer who, like uh, Tyler Anthony Smith, who's... Um, kind of has this niche that he's created where he, um, you know, went to theater school, had to read all the traditional plays that everybody has to read all the old dead white guy stuff, you know? And he was like, well, I'm, I, you know, for him as a, as a gay white man, he's like, I'm never going to get to play, um, you know, Hedda Gabler, like, or, or if I do get cast, it's as like the little friend, like I want to be Hedda, mm -hmm. you know? And so, and so he writes these amazing satirical plays about classic stage heroines, mm -hmm. um, that he then plays in drag. And, and so we're doing this like send up of, uh, 
we're not in a theater, so I can say Macbeth. You know, that's a that's a, a um, superstition. You can't say Macbeth in a theater. It's bad luck. Oh, we're knocking on wood. Okay. <laughs> and, uh, uh, but, but, uh, but, you know, he's doing this thing where he plays Lady Marcia Macbeth, you know, and, and it kind of pokes fun at Shakespeare. And, and it's this, um, yeah, just this different, different view on the expected. You know, it's an unexpected take on the unexpected. Mm. And um, so what's interesting, though, is that, um, yes, this is, I think, the third time that we have featured a, a drag performer as part of our one of our productions um first time that someone from coming from outside of our community we've been lucky we haven't um haven't really dealt much with like uh, trolls or you know i mean really even on our like facebook posts you know like we're not people aren't coming out of the woodwork to um be rude mm-hmm. um i do think part of that is the five years, I, I think most of the people who are seeing, who, who are aware of what we're doing, are aware of what we're doing. Mm-hmm. You know, I don't mm-hmm. think I don't think it's a, it's it's a surprise to anyone. Mm-hmm. Um, it, it's it's in line with what we've done. Mm-hmm. Um, that being said, I so I, I brought up Tyler specifically because um, this was the first time that we had someone coming to our community um, from another from from another spot and. Um, and you know he he called me up like a, might have been a month or two ago um, to share that he was he had some legitimate fears about coming to Iowa and and you know it was a variety of fears you know there's you know the physical safety part he was like is this a place that is safe for me as a gay man mm-hmm. um, you know also concerned like are there going to be protesters like is there going to be some wildness that i cannot plan for that you know i'm bringing myself and my team into this situation but also um with the uh drag bill that had been introduced that you know thankfully did not make it into the legislative session um you know he's like am i going to be allowed i'm afraid am i going to be allowed to do this show is this you know thing that i have booked as an artist like am i am i going to have my job am i going to have this gig um and like and you know and there's always the the thing I, I'm I'm not going to remember whose quote this is, you know. But there's the whole thing about it's like, you know, when they first they came for this group and then they came for this group and then you know and and he is like it's like you know he lives in Illinois. It's like if if he can't do this in Iowa, where's mm-hmm. next? Where 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 is his, <laughs> you know, um, the future of what he can do? Mm-hmm. Um, and, and so that was that was really interesting that we haven't again fortunately haven't seen that pushback from our community. Um, but people from outside of our community are hearing these signals that are coming, you know, from uh, Iowa, you know, mm-hmm. like I, I put quotes around it cause it's like, you know, signals coming from Iowa. What does mm-hmm. that mean? I mean, it's very broad, but still like people are hearing that and, um, and it's not good. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I, I have a question, I guess. Um, and it, I'm trying to like form it in my head, but I guess uh, the question has to do with what your perspective is on, you know, what you do and I guess how that relates to politics, right? Do you consider what you do apolitical or do you consider, you know, your involvement in the community and in the arts? Um, do you find that your political leaning has any, I don't know. Um, if do you it, like, do you feel a responsibility to t- be political? Right. Yeah, that's a, Great question. So, you know, part of our mission is, um, you know, presenting these plays that are contributing to the conversations that define our times. Um, You know, my understanding of the root of the word politics is literally speaking to the city, you know, like, Mm. and, and, you know, theater because it speaks to people, <laughs> you know, and, and, uh, um, it can't help but be political. I, 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 I don't, I wouldn't, I wouldn't make being apolitical a goal, um, because I don't think it would be achievable <laughs> right. in, in that sense. Um, you know, that being said, I, I am looking, I, I 
I'm one person and I'm the, as the producing artistic director, like I'm, I'm really leading the charge in terms of the content that we're, that we're choosing to, to support and present and promote. And, um, one of the things that, that I do think about is, um, variety in as many ways as possible. Um, I, I'll say it, it's interesting, you know, sometimes because we are a small nonprofit organization, sometimes I think we're more reactive than I would like to be, you know, more mm. reactive and just trying to catch up rather than being, you know, more planned and kind of long-term planning. So some, so sometimes things happen, like for instance, this calendar year, um, it's turning out that, you know, we're ultimately presenting a lot more plays with, um, LGBTQIA themes than, than, um, than, than perhaps in other years, you know, I, I know in our first year when we were doing our online readings in 2020 with the pandemic, we, d we did an incredible amount that, um, that focused on, uh, issues of race. Mm -hmm. And, um, you know, in, in this year, it, it just, again, it, it kind of, I, I say it turns out, I, I'm not going to pretend like it's a mistake. Like I'm, you know, right, I'm, I, I, I mean, I've chosen things, sure. you know, but, yeah. but, but especially with what, with what has been happening in, in terms of, of the focus within our state on these new restrictive laws and things like that, you know, um, you know, the, the queer experience and the queer person in Iowa is in, in many ways at the center of these cultural conversations right mm. now. Mm -hmm. um, I, I think for me, one of the challenges when you, when you talk about doing theater that is, is political, you know, in, in some ways, when you, I, I think that when you are making the choice um, to present these works that, um, that focus on underrepresented or marginalized communities, you know, it can't help but it can't help but be political. The cha the challenge sometimes, and something that I I'm doing my best to focus on, is um, how do you highlight those stories? How do you um, highlight work from people within those specific communities um, without um, turning it into torture porn? Sure. You know, yeah. and, and, it, mm -hmm. and, and, and that's important. Right. And, yeah. and, it, and it can't it can't they cannot cannot and should not all be stories about identity based trauma. Right. Mm -hmm. Right. And and mm -hmm. and, um, and how how are we how are we telling stories that celebrate or even telling stories where like these issues of identity are are present. And of course, like they are people on a stage, mm -hmm. but like, but it's not the focus where, right. where it's, you know, a, a story about X people who are living their lives, mm -hmm. <laughs> you know? Sure. And so, so I, th so I think that that can be a challenge too, is to, is to, ha and, and it's also its own political statement, mm -hmm. right? Yeah. I know in the black community, we, a lot of time, well, I am really tired of watching shit about slavery. I don't want to mm -hmm. watch any more slave movies because black people exist in a lot of other spaces besides slavery. So I get it. It becomes torture porn. And it's like, can we see black people like going to coffee mm -hmm. or walking the dog down the street or having a family or having success in business? Because that exists too. And it exists in ways that are way better and more important than always revisiting slavery. Mm -hmm. so Or experiencing any kind of, like, kind of conflict trauma. that doesn't have to do with yes. playing, like racial baby mama whatever, stuff right? and the Jezebel narrative. Right. It's like, let's let's move on. Mm -hmm. Let's see some other things. Yeah, and and I'm really, you know, as it relates to, to drag, I mean, that's something that I'm really happy about with, you know, um, with Eddie and Dave. That, that we just did. So mm -hmm. this was like the Van Halen story, but cr but all gender swapped. So mm -hmm. so women playing the members of Van Halen, a man playing Valerie Bertinelli, you know. And um, there was no, uh, there were no statements about misogyny in the play. There were mm -hmm. no statements um, about the fact that like women are in historically kind of really excluded from the music business in in, in many ways I, sure. I mean obviously we can say like and real quick too yeah that's how the play was written exactly it wasn't and that's like how, an artistic choice on correct your, yeah right. it's, it's how the play was written mm -hmm. and and um you know but it gives it gives us as audience members as artists as people within the community an opportunity to examine something but it's certainly um it's is not is not a hit over our heads and like you can just enjoy a very funny play about Van Halen, mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Um, or 
you know, you can go out with your friend for coffee the next morning and be like, what was really there? Mm-hmm. What, sure. what, what, what was the there there? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. The there there. Uh-huh. <laughs> as, as you stroke each other's heads. There, right. there, 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 there. No, and I love that because I think like it's it's important for me too, and like Sarah was talking about, to like not see myself as, or to see gay people in theater or in, you know, TV shows or movies or whatever as like, you know, this kind of like token character and like all these, um, I don't know, stereotypes or, you know, a side character. But I just want to, I want to see, you know, fun and uh, exciting things that, you know, may include part of my life or part of my story or like how I see myself or whatever, you know. They're, they're just not like, just a vessel for virtue signaling. Right. right? right. Yeah. You know, yeah. We also exist in very boring, mundane ways. <laughs> right. Yeah. <laughs> yes. Mm-hmm. That is important. Yeah. Um, sorry. No. no. Nothing to be sorry about. Yeah. Um, I guess a, a little bit more uh, of a deep dive into, you know, your experience coming to Cedar Rapids because you're not from here. No. So what is your experience um, kind of being an outsider? What's your hot take on, you know, Cedar Rapids as a, as a person <laughs> from outside? <laughs> Give uh, us the dirty yeah, details. Exactly. Oh, goodness. Dirty details. Because, well, like, you no, know, yeah. also having lived in a place like yeah. New York or New Orleans, places that are a little bit more progressive or whatever, like, what's your experience? So being I'll, a place like I'll say, you know, Number one, um, this struck me right when we got here, and I still really dig it, is uh, I feel like, you know, because I grew up in Orlando, which is it is a very big, small town in mm-hmm. some ways, yeah. you know? Um, you know, but then, yeah, New York, L.A., Chicago, New Orleans, all places I've lived before here. And one of the things I love about Cedar Rapids is that it seems like the place is content to be a good place without having to uh, shout to the world that it's the greatest city in the world. It's so mm. exhausting, I feel like. The, the, yeah, you know, the, sure. I, I feel like it's exhausting mm-hmm. to be like, yes, it's the greatest city in the world, and I live in a closet, and there are rats. It's like New York. Mm-hmm. It's, like, it's, like, it's like you have to say it's the greatest city in the world to survive all the You're crap. You're trying to tell it to yourself. <laughs> yeah, right? yeah. You know? people. But, but, but it's the same thing. Like, you know, New Orleans people wear T-shirts with this Tennessee Williams quote. It's like, there are three American cities, New York, San Francisco, and New Orleans. Everything else is Cleveland you know and it's and and and, uh and yeah I again I just I I like that um Cedar Rapids is a nice place Mm -hmm. it doesn't have to be the best place in the world it's it's actually really okay to be nice there's a lot of really good people here yeah Yeah. so so I so I love that about it um we've already touched on driving Uh, (laughs) it's one of our worst qualities here is the drivers uh and you, you know, it, it's just um, it's just interesting, you know, that the the five seasons quality of life thing is so goofy. Um, and also there's some real truth to it. I mean, the, uh, I don't know in any of those other like larger cities if like my wife and I would ever have the opportunity to own a home mm-hmm. and right. have a yard, mm-hmm. you know, and and uh, and I don't know, there's there's something about that about the about I guess you know I'm 44 and I have two small children I think that you know there's something about stability and uh you know the appearance of sanity that appeals to me (laughs) (laughs) totally yeah 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 uh dirt gosh dirt is so dirt is so hard though I, I don't really I don't really dig around in the dirt and you're better than me I love the low road yeah (laughs) (laughs) we like both yeah we like both we like to talk positively about things and then also we really like to get dirty yeah we do down in the dirt i mean uh you know uh gosh i'm gonna just make it all about race no uh, but but i mean (laughs) but really i mean even from moving here like Mm -hmm. i mean there were some things that were that were pretty shocking to me in in terms of of people's perceptions um you know i i live near you know kind of the bruce moore area that that part of town um you know, and and that and that there were people that we already knew when we were moving here because of my my wife's history with folks. You know that that there that that there were individuals, not my wife's friends. Don't don't worry. Uh, but but people who who were like, oh, it's, well, it's a good thing you're not on the other side of Nineteenth Street. Mm. And I'm like, right. so like when mm-hmm. I see houses, I just see like houses and families, and and like you know, it's kind of crazy, you know, and and um and the uh, 
uh, the the euphemism that I just that people use that is just so transparent and ugly. You know, people talk about the Chicago element in yeah, Cedar Rapids, right. mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. and uh, yeah, so so. Uh, it's like very thinly veiled, you know. Yeah, yeah. It's oh like, no, okay. no, nobody's hiding it. <laughs> right. You know, so but yeah. so so they're they're nasty. That's nasty, and mm. also like we we live in America that has a lot of um, th- there are a lot of racists. Where sure. where mm-hmm. uh, I I hope we're dealing with that. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I guess like you know because we're not from here. Like what you have experienced in the six years that you've you know been here because I've been here about the same time and how my perspective has changed about the Midwest or even being in a smaller, you know, suburban slash rural place. Um, And like, especially even having this uh, performer come and do the show here in Cedar Rapids, like how you kind of manage the perspectives about what Cedar Rapids is or the Midwest or like this rural place um, and how accepting it can be, but also like, I don't know how how there are still issues and how we still work through that. I don't really know if that was a question, but uh, I, I just think I don't yeah, know. No, I'm, I'm, I'm processing that out loud. I guess it, I'm probably processing it. You know, it it's tough. It's tough to like drive down the highway, and um, it's tough to to navigate the disconnect between like driving down the highway and seeing a sign for Cedar Rapids that says "Welcome is our language," mm-hmm. and also personally knowing people who don't feel welcome Mm. Mm -hmm. you know that's that's that there there is a disconnect and it and and i think that it's it's perfect i don't know my opinion is is that like yeah like put the put the sign up and and like hopefully hopefully that is a promise that people in power feel obligated to uphold Mm -hmm. hopefully it is a reminder to people um, who just have everyday power, you know, to uphold it mm-hmm. and and, mm-hmm. and commit to that. Um, you know, you hope and but but I think that if you're someone who who does believe in that work, absolutely, you see the disconnect, right? Mm-hmm. You you know that it you know that it is not there. Mm-hmm. I feel like since 2020, um, it's made people hear all of the events of 2020, um, the racism, the pandemic. It has made people a lot more comfortable with expressing their bigotry. And I guess I'm fine with it because then I know, right? Like I know who I'm safe around and I know who I'm not safe around. And before I didn't know because we're all hiding behind Iowa nice. And I hate when people are like, oh, everyone's so nice in Iowa. And it's like, yes, but bigotry exists um, as well. And oftentimes like in the same breath, Yes, people are nice and they're also bigoted. So I get what you, I also hope that they are <clears throat> striving to be the things that they profess being here. Um, the messages that we send to other places. I really hope that we keep working towards including everybody in those messages and those things and not just a specific group of people. But I think people like you being here and starting organizations and nonprofits and businesses here mm-hmm. that are inclusive and make it very well known what they stand for is super important and encourages other people to do the same. So thank you yeah. so much. I think Cedar oh. Rapids is lucky to have you. Oh, I agree. Thank you. And I, I also just want to make really clear that like uh, I have opinions about this and I do consider myself as like being in this work. And, and uh, also I know that I've gotten it wrong before and that I'll get it wrong again. And mm-hmm. I think, I think, you know, I think that's, if we want to talk about barriers for people who want to confront their own biases mm-hmm. and, you know, I, I you know, I, I think that that, um, that's a real barrier for I, I, a yeah. lot of people. I, you got to be willing to make mistakes. Right? Yeah, mm-hmm. and, 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 you know, to not, you can be afraid of it, but not be terrified right. of being told you're wrong. Yeah, mm-hmm. it, you, you can't know, let like, the fear totally. hold you back. Yeah, right. You know, and and and, uh, and so you know, if I could person, if if there's someone out there who feels like, yeah, maybe my perspective could change a little bit. You know, if they're they're ready for just mm-hmm. one little nudge. You know, that that's what I that's what I would hope to say is that, you know, it's all right to be wrong as long as you're willing to not let being wrong be the thing that stops you. Sure. I agree. 
I hope everyone takes those words and holds them in their heart. Internalizes them. Oh, yes. Wow. It's a little too long for a Hallmark card. A little. I'll, I'll, I'll edit it. That's I'll all edit. right. I like it. And I appreciate that. And I think, I mean, Caleb and I are still always searching for ways mm-hmm. to be better. Challenging ourselves. Yeah, because mm-hmm. we have a lot of work to do, yeah. too. We all do. Totally. Like you've said, no one has arrived anywhere. The bar is continuously in movement. Maybe Oprah. Maybe Oprah arrived. I love Oprah. (laughs) She arrived a long time ago. Yeah, she's perfect. She is perfect in every way. And that's that. That's that. That's that on that. That's that that's on that. The there, there. It is. Well, thank you so much, Kevin, for being here. Thank you, Sarah. I thank loved you, Caleb. This, this was nice. It was nice. It's been fun. You'll have to come back sometime. Great. Yeah. Sign me up. For all of our yeah. listeners out there, uh, go out and support Mirrorbox Theater if you live in this uh, in Cedar Rapids or in Iowa. Um, go check them out. Yeah, we have mirrorboxtheater.com. I don't know if it'll be in the show notes, but you oh, know, it now will. it's here. What now about social media? Yeah, we're on Facebook and Instagram and uh, not Twitter. I mean, we, I think we have a Twitter account, but we're not there. No. Yeah. yeah. It's okay. It's okay. Facebook and Instagram, we we put all of our stuff out there. We got a newsletter. We got we got stuff. Cool. Yeah. yeah. Love it. Yay. This was a good talk. And like we're that. also on social media. Yeah, we are. At, <laughs> at Other the Podcast. And someone hacked our uh, Instagram. Account, yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. I'm still working on changing the password. Right. I'm going to do it, though. Yeah, it'll be fine. It'll be fine. Everything's okay. Everything's fine. <laughs> no fire yet. We'll get that changed. Love you. <laughs> Bye. Thank you.